Hello. Hello. That was so much better. Slightly, I think. I don't know. You could hear most <laughs> of it. Slightly. I think. Maybe. I don't know. It's come out like super clearly before. So like this time it was like almost there, but like not quite. Um, okay. You know what? Yeah. It's better than nothing. You're right. You're right. Except our um, court doesn't, you know, resolve, but it's fine. I mean, that's the point. That's the point. We're, we're not supposed to resolve. We're just quirky like, like we're that. We're not you know? normal. We're far from normal. Okay. Anyway, we're far from normal. Like I just said, this is Miranda. This is Shivani. And episode 34. Yep. Yep. It's 34. Okay. Cool. Good job. And we have a special guest with us here today. Would you like to introduce yourself, dear? Yeah, sure. My name's Rebecca. Um, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say, but yeah. Um, major, um, you, nah. Yeah, I'm a music major. I'm hoping to become, you know, a neurosurgeon one day, maybe. But, you know, just living the dream. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, today, we were going to be talking about a little bit of a heavier subject. We are going to get into domestic violence. So yeah. um, I know we had a little, a couple notes on that. Um, did you want to get into any of that? Me or Rebecca? Um, well, you or, or, okay. or Rebecca. But well, yeah. I think I was just going to do like give Rebecca a chance to talk about what she wants to talk about and then we could like go off of that. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And ask questions. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. So actually, I'm assuming we're talking about the story of it's not I'm not I've not actually experienced personally domestic violence, but I am uh, involved in a case um, pretty actually pretty close to it, which is kind of sad. Um, So not many people know this, but I was adopted by my adoptive father when I was three, as my mom won sole custody of me uh, when I was very young, um, because my biological father was a child molester and rapist. Um, Not only that, but it was within the family, which is really sad. And it was between him and his sister, um, what went down. And years later, we found out that it, uh, the situation had occurred many times, but my mother found out about it uh, about a year after their marriage. And she was pregnant with me at the time. And um, she didn't want to believe what was going on. She wanted to believe him for a while. Uh, He was really manipulative, but in the end, the facts all pointed to um, one conclusion and he was denying it. Um, but yeah, so it's really been hard afterwards dealing with that because not only did his actions break up his own family, his own family used to, um, do Sunday dinners every week. And I, I don't have any recollection of this, but that was something I was a part of. Me and my cousins, we would get together every Sunday. Ever since um, uh, since I turned about two, I never saw my cousins again mm-hmm. on that fa- side of the family. Um, we had no contact except with my grandparents. Um, and that was per recommendation of the pastor of my mother's church. Um, 
honestly, as I'm sure you guys can understand, she wanted nothing to do with that side of the family anymore because um, because the grand, my grandparents did kind of sweep everything under the rug and make sure that nothing, no legal action was taken against my father for what he did, um, which, you know, the unconditional love of a father for a son is one thing, but, you know, it's definitely a difficult thing to go through as a family and perhaps they didn't handle it how they should have. I don't know. I was, as I said, only two at the time, but it's definitely left a huge hole in my life. I know my father has stepped in, my adoptive father has stepped in um, to fill that role, which he's done a fabulous job of, but, you know, in the sense of family, it's not the same, not growing up with uh, both your biological parents, even if there is a divorce, um, a lot of, a lot of kids do have that ability where they live between two families or they do see their father. Um, but he was actually allowed uh, visitation rights, which he did not take advantage of. Um, but it was supervised visitation. So, you know, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. That's thank, pretty much the thank story. Thank you for sharing with yeah. us. Thank you for feeling yeah. comfortable enough to talk about it on the podcast. Siobhan, do you have any questions? I know I've talked to Rebecca about this stuff, um, you know, yeah. outside of the podcast. So I thought I'd give you a chance. To... Um, yeah, no, that, thank you for sharing that story. That was, that was, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That must've been really hard for you to share and it takes a lot of strength and courage to share information like that. So you're probably helping a lot of people just by sharing your story and maybe giving them hope or courage through what, whatever they're going through. Um, have you, I like, I know you, like you said that you went through this when like you were really young, so you don't really have much rec recollection. Do you think it's affected any of your relationships now? Do you think you take Ooh. some of that trauma into yeah. relationships now? Yeah, so I definitely, um, this compounded with a couple other things um, has definitely left me very wary. I want to, I feel really bad about saying this, but wary of men in general. I have like a lot of trust issues mm -hmm. and it shows through in some of my friendships, but mostly it's, um, yeah, I just don't trust people in general. I don't believe what they say to me, especially if it's good things, um, which is weird because uh, you kind of get that. I felt a lot of abandonment by my biological father um, like he abandoned me for his own desires, which was kind of um, a harsh reality to face. Um, so yeah, there's that. But also more recently, um, it's caused a huge rift. Um, I have a younger brother that's also uh, was also conceived. My mother had him with my biological father. So he's my full related brother. I also have two half siblings, which uh, I consider them my full siblings, but my younger brother has recently decided that he um, he believes what my biological father's story is. I just got to meet him recently, and he's still living in basically a lie. He's still trying to manipulate people, and somehow my brother has believed him. And so uh, I haven't seen or spoken to my brother in 
about three months. Um, he left last August and he, he hasn't been really a part of the family since, um, by his own choice, I will say, but yeah. That's hard. (laughs) Um, yeah. Did your brother have contact with, um, your your father like is that is that something you were involved in he he got contact around the same time as I did so um I when I turned 18 it at when I was younger than 18 um my parents still thought it would be wise for me not to pursue meeting my biological father they said that would be a road we would cross when I turned 18 so I started pursuing my options um at that age and I talked to some of his family. I got to be in contact with some of his relatives, um, my aunt and uncle that I had not seen in several years. And um, we talked about it and they still thought it was very dangerous for me to meet him. Um, not that he would do anything to me, but just that he was you know, not in a good mental place. Mm. Um, same with his parents, actually. And so I kind of just tabled it for a while. But then when my brother left, when he turned 18, he started pursuing options as well. And he basically said that if nobody would help him find my biological father, he was going to do it himself uh, via online means. And Mm. my family was concerned about that. So they, they helped him out. And then they, in the meantime, also gave me contact information. Um, and so I met, met him and actually, cause I, the reason I got contact information is I was concerned that my brother would, I don't know, um, my brother would start talking and saying negative things about me and it would skew uh, my, uh, my, pre- his perception of me mm-hmm. because you know even though i haven't i hadn't met him and he had done so many terrible things there's still a desire to impress yeah i don't know if you get that mm-hmm. but um yeah so my brother had contact with him on christmas for the first time and then after that i met him the I think the 5th of January and I've not had contact with him since my brother is now living with him. I have a few questions. First one, did like after meeting with him, did the desire to impress like go away a little bit or do you think it's still there? Uh, In some ways, I think it reignited. Oh, really? Yes, because yeah for for reasons it's hard to understand psychologically but something in my mind switched and it was like well if you're not ready to he said he was ready to be my father clearly that wasn't the case he Mm -hmm. was just paying lip service um and so you know in my mind if he's not ready to be a father i want him it's really selfish. I want him to see me succeed without him. Right. Okay. That's totally valid. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to come to terms with that, but yeah. Well, you're allowed to be upset, and you're allowed to, like, 
when people don't like respect you or appreciate you, it's a very strong driving force for you to like succeed. Like, yeah. I also, second question, unless you have something, Shivani. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Second question, what was it like talking to your aunts and uncles after not talking to them for such a long time? It was, it was different, especially when we, so we didn't talk about the situation directly mm. because very taboo. Yeah um even to this day uh nobody likes to talk about it okay um but you could tell there was a sense of melancholy and sadness mm-hmm. because um the aunt or the uncle that I had I was able to contact he is very much a family man um my cousin uh, his his daughter looks pretty much exactly like me. Oh wow! And she's about a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of sadness, a lot of sadness that they hadn't seen me in a while, and a lot mm-hmm. of sadness that just that's how I found out about the Sunday family dinners. Oh okay. And all that, all that the you know issue of domestic violence had destroyed within the family right not just the trust between the victim and you know the perpetrator but also the entire family not only the entire family it affected the church they went to there were divides in the church people left because of what was happening um the divorce that my mom sought because she was trying to protect my brother Mm and I um it caused a lot of controversy right. because in the church you're not supposed to get divorced um she was you know condemned as as cheating on him for the longest time oh, yeah. until uh we had to there was stuff that the pastor did to mitigate those rumors mm-hmm. um there's divides in my own family now over this as I spoke on your brother, yeah. my brothers decided to leave. Um, there's definitely, and there was a lot, my parents were definitely, they, I grew up very sheltered because of the situation, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of fear and yeah. for good reason, for good reason, because um, there was one point where we were concerned that he, uh, my biological father would pursue us. Um, like pursue you, like try to like take you as his kids or, okay. Um, not take us as his kids, but like harm the family in some way. And, um, so growing up, even my younger siblings that don't share my biological father, they know the story. Mm -hmm. They, they're aware of who he is, which is something as an older sister, that's really hard for me to see. Um, you don't wish that upon anyone, okay. that fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know like this is like still an ongoing thing, but do you think that you are going through like a recovery process? And like, if so, how is that? What's that like for you? Like, what do you do to process everything that's going on yeah so I was about eight when I learned the full story I think um and for the longest time it was something you can't really talk about your friends aren't old enough to comprehend your friends 
if you tell them that, that's kind of really scary and people don't know how to respond. Now that I'm an adult, I do have friends that are able to comprehend, are able to understand. Um, now that some of this old, this had been swept under the rug for a while um, until just about last August okay. is when everything started coming back up. Um, is that because your brother left mm-hmm. in August? Okay. Yeah. And so then my mom and my family are more willing to talk now. Um, mm-hmm. They were always willing to answer my questions whenever right. I had them, which is some, it's the best situation you could hope for. Um, but now everyone's kind of a little bit more open to talking about it, which has helped me because for the longest time it's been fouled up, you know, mm-hmm. swept under the yeah. rug for me. Just another skeleton in the closet, a really gory one at that. Um, but um, that definitely helped. And then also meeting him and being able to make some of my own judgments rather than just ju- making judgment calls based upon the stories I had heard. Yeah. Because while everyone can agree, there is a certain bias level, right. which I can understand, but I wanted to, for myself, you know, make that judgment call. Um, and sadly, you know, it turned out everything right. true, was true. I, I wanted to believe that it was all just one big misunderstanding, mm-hmm. but, you know. Yeah. Do you think there's anything that, like, made the difference for why like you made a very different um, decision on who he was than your brother did? I think it's, so my brother and I have very different personalities. Um, and his is a lot more like my biological father's. Mm-hmm. And another part of it was he never, my younger brother never really connected with our adoptive father okay. for some reason or another. Um, and, you know, I did, our connection wasn't perfect, I will say, but, you know, I did make that connection and, um, you know, it's the willingness to forgive that, um, I think was there for me in that situation. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. No, you're fine. Um, also, you know, I am two years older, Okay, I will say, and there is something to be said for the maturity of, in general, in general, the maturity of women versus yes. men. I don't want to be sexist or anything, but there is something to be right. said there. Um, well, and also, factors, though. I mean, like, it's a fact, like, yeah. generally, general fact. Yes. And also, I think the way we both went about seeking truth. Mm. I was trying to, I was trying to do it for myself. I think he, my brother was doing it for the shock value. Okay. Um, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but um, that's just what I perceive yeah. from what I've heard, um, what I've seen. I think it's um, shock value. My brother likes to be the life of the party. Mm. Um, he likes to make big splashes in the water, oh. uh, metaphorically. 
I I'm very much in the the background observing. Um, so I think it's just the difference in personality mm-hmm. and the difference in purpose for seeking out talking to my biological father. Yeah. Do you think your brother will ever like realize that he's wrong? Um, I don't know. Oh, that's a perfectly rational like answer. I don't know. I would, I would hope so. I would hope, you know, maybe not necessarily that he's wrong, but maybe that he's he's made an incorrect judgment call. Mm. Um, because yeah, I would hope that he didn't find out in any sort of any I don't know mm-hmm. bad ways, but yeah. Yeah, I get that. Oh. Do you have any questions? Hmm. Um, I think I, I got all the information. I think you had some great questions there to ask, and I answered a lot. Um, I guess we could, like, tie this back to, like, um, I guess, like, more uh, in general, mm-hmm. like, how women in I guess deal with this because I know a lot of women who just don't trust men anymore and yeah. it's this and it's, a lot of it is like trauma but also just in general like you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of things going on in the world that right. give put portray men yeah. in a bad light yeah um well like when I I did some research as you know I should mm-hmm. so like 25 percent of women experience some form of domestic violence in their life and like that's why women like walk the streets when it's dark outside, like, or terror, like, scared or have, like, like, weapons of some sort, and then, and domestic violence also, like, isn't always physical, like, verbal stuff, or, like, so, yeah. No, I think I, like, yeah, I think it's really important, I think Rebecca said that she would, uh, I don't know if, wait, I don't, I might have heard this wrong, but did she say that you had, um, something to say about, like, how domestic, like the forms domestic violence violence comes in, or was that something else? Thank you. What was that? Um, or like just affecting other people? <laughs> Maybe it was affecting other people. Different people. And like, yeah. Well, yeah. So I think I touched on this a little bit, but like you have the victim and you have the perpetrator. It doesn't just affect them. It affects even generations down. It affects horizontally. As we saw, my my mother's family was affected. Um, right. His family was affected. Um, I'm sure his uh, his family's children, my cousins, were affected. Um, you know, I don't really know if if my my mother's sisters tell their children about this, but you know, it's definitely something now that they have to worry about and they're cautious about. Right. So I think education wise they've been able to educate their children mm-hmm. better which that's one good thing that's come out of it but it's sad that that's a lot that yeah. it had to be that way um and it's just put everyone in that sphere on hyper vigilance mode and then as you know it's affected me and it will probably affect my children and through my parenting it'll affect their children right and it just will trickle down generation to generation unfortunately but it's just going to have a domino effect yeah it doesn't just you know affect the one person 
and their shares. And then, you know, even now it's affecting you guys, my friends, because I've come into contact with you and I told you my story mm-hmm. and people who hear about it, it's, it's not just, you know, so it's not always a bad effect either. It's not always a bad effect. It's like, it's good that I appreciate that you told me because I feel closer to you. And I also want, I mean, I can't really help you. There's not much I can do to help, yeah. but I also like I'm your friend and want to have these discussions with you. And also like we're putting out, you know, to the, however many listeners who listen to it and like, yeah, the awareness know. is definitely good. Yeah, thank you. But there's also a lot of deep rooted now psychological things okay. that aren't good. And that's affected like trauma. Or? I wouldn't say necessarily trauma, but like, as I said, I just don't, I have a hard time right. trusting men. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time trusting anyone now. Yeah. Um, so that's like one negative psychological effect, but that's then right. also it's caused me to be more driven. So you could see that as positive. Uh-huh. Who knows? It's just, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of effects. Yeah. 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 Oh. So, um, um, I had like a little story based off like what Rebecca was saying, just like how it, like she was talking about how like it affected friends and like, even though like you're not directly involved, you were still kind of like connected in a way and we can like feel each other's pain and, um, this is like a small little story. It's like, um, I think back when, back when I was in like an apartment before I moved to like this new place, yeah. um, we, um, my Oh family, yeah. I, okay. I know yeah. What you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I kind of got a little idea of what domestic violence is like in person. Um, I lived in an apartment and you can basically hear everyone through the walls. So you can hear people talking above you to the side of you. And so like, you can hear everything that's going on. Um, I moved into the apartment, like probably like a couple months after my mom and my brother moved in because we were using that as like a transition house before we moved into like our bigger house. But while we were there every morning or yeah, every morning around a certain time, we'd hear a lot of commotion going on upstairs. And it was just, we would hear this little kid just screaming, screaming, like, stop, like, dad or mom or I don't know who it was they were talking to but they were screaming and I think and we figured out it happened so consistently and we would hear like the screaming after we heard like 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 beatings like someone hitting something or something like that and it happened so consistently that like we knew something was wrong and like the screams they were not normal like you would like sometimes it's hard to tell like when like a kid is like screaming out of like having fun and like when they're actually hurting right but because it was so consistent we knew something was wrong and like honestly like when it was happening I was too scared to like think it was anything other than just like a, like a little kid having fun and um we rationalized. And, like I oh. rationalized and I felt awful but luckily my mom she had she's had like experience with like domestic violence but it's kind of tied into like a cultural upbringing because like you know in like the Indian culture sometimes it's normalized right. to like you know beat your kids when they do something wrong which it shouldn't be, that should be like not a thing anymore. And I think they're starting to work on it. But um, she was like very affected by like what was going on upstairs. So she like made the decision to like call the cops and get someone to like look in on it. And um, yeah, they called them out. The police came and they like checked out, checked in on like the family. It was like a little boy and like their dad was I think beating them. But after that day, they, we stopped hearing all the screaming and the beating. So we think it was something wrong. But ever since that, I just, 
I've been so scared and I felt so bad that I, I couldn't say anything and I couldn't do anything and I wish I had and I like really regret that I hadn't done anything earlier because I was like rationalizing it in my head and it just hard it yeah and like I wasn't even directly involved so like to Rebecca's point like it really does affect you even if it's not like you're not really directly involved and like yeah it's scary and it makes you like just distrust like everyone and anyone like you just rethink the entire world around you and how like bad people can get and yeah so I, I really feel for you and I'm, I'm so sorry that happened to you and thank you for sharing the story yeah well, thank you for having me yeah yeah um we're are we out of time we're we have like two like a minute and a half left but okay. um yeah we, we we got this we got this um, I want to talk about mental health stuff in relation to it more okay but we're almost out of time sad we can keep it going I mean do you do you have like any questions right I was now? Like, um yeah. I was what what was the last thing to rationalizing mm. hard um I guess like because you said your family doesn't really like talk about it much but like when you hey, this is hard to ask when you do like, is it, like, a very, like, group type thing? Or is it, like, individuals like this? Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it's definitely a whole family ordeal. Okay. Um, well, whoever's in the family who's old enough to know. Currently, yeah. we do have kids in the family who don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're not at that mental age to, yeah. to handle it. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, when... When I remember my brother and I, I think, found out at the same time or roughly the same time. Um, and it was definitely my mom and dad sat down and had the conversation with the both of us. Okay. Or if I have questions, it's always me going to both parents. Do you um, think that helps it make it like more? A little bit. It, make, it definitely gives a sense of camaraderie. Like okay. we've, all, we've all been through this thing together in some sense we've all been affected by it and it's in some ways made our family stronger but in whatever ways it hasn't we can band together Mm -hmm. um and in some ways it has brought our family closer together obviously that's changed within the past six months but right yeah Mm um um Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you have a question? Or are we going to just like wrap it up? I was going to wrap it up. Okay. Then <laughs> you have a question. question. Um, so like, this is totally something you don't have to know, but I just figured like, why not? Do you have like, hmm, these are my, I'm going to split the question because it's two part question. Um, first thing, like, is there anything as like a society we can do that helps us prevent domestic abuse actions or like get into a better spot to help people or like those kind of things I would say always err on the side of caution okay don't be afraid to ask if something seems fishy Mm. because if you're wrong it's just an awkward conversation if you're right you can save a life that's true because I mean, nothing, like, nobody died in my situation, but there are situations in which people have. And 
even if you if you're not saving life you're still saving somebody a lot of trauma yeah you could be helping out a lot even if it's gonna hurt exposing the um you know the domestic abuse it's better than the alternative right and i think if we normalize asking hey is everything okay you know i heard x y and z maybe coming from upstairs or if you feel comfortable doing that if you don't maybe find somebody who you can tell that might be able to do something more yeah. than you can right yeah so which like, is why like they call the police and exactly like, yeah exactly or if maybe you're concerned about somebody who's only your acquaintance okay maybe you talk to one of their friends one of your right. friends who knows them better somebody who is maybe more comfortable but just make sure that there's something done always err on the side of caution of doing too much maybe rather than too rather little. than too little assuming yeah. that it's nothing before it gets yeah, out of hand makes sense and then part two of the question which is totally unrelated but i wanted to like very like I wanted opinion. Thanks. Um, do you have any advice for anyone who might be listening who has gone through similar things or even like different versions of domestic violence, like anything that has helped you that you think could help others? Um, you know, obviously I'm not perfect. I haven't fully come full circle mm -hmm. and accepted everything but talking to people helps if you're comfortable with that. Even if you're not, find somebody who's like a therapist or something like you can just tell your story to. Yeah. Um, that's how I started. I, I just told my story to one person, a therapist that I went and saw for a little bit. Um, and just telling it, telling your story once, you'd be surprised what that does. And then telling it more times it becomes a little bit more normal. And then you're able to kind of integrate that, that trauma better into your life. So it's not so taboo for you. Um, and you don't feel like you have a skeleton in the closet, literally. Yeah. Like you're hiding something. Like you're hiding something. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I was about to ask the same question to like wrap it up, but thank you for saying oh. <laughs> No, you're you're totally good. That was a great question. You worded it better than I could have. So it was I'm great. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> nah. Um, thank you, Rebecca, though. This was amazing and I honestly learned so much. And I wish we had more time. This. There's so uh, much. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, definitely. We could definitely follow up sometime and like this this was really this was really beneficial, I feel like for for us and just for people who are listening and yeah. I hope it helped you in some way too yeah. to be able to talk to people about it and it, yeah, <laughs> I hope you're doing okay and yeah. I wish I could give you a hug and like yeah. here's a spiritual whatever in spirit. I give you a hug. I like there we go. This <laughs> way. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um yeah, Miranda, do you have any final comments? Uh, do not. Do not. Okay, cool, not. cool, cool. Um, all right, to our listeners, you can leave comments, suggestions, feedbacks in the comments, and, this, and we'll have everything in the description. And we have an email, farfromnormalpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Email, email us there. And we also have an Instagram at farfromnormalpodcast and a Google form in the Instagram. So follow us, and we'll keep you updated for our next episodes. And we hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening. We love you. <laughs>
Right. Bye. Bye.